This is Zenshu, the podcast, episode 423 for the week of April 30th, 2017. Welcome to Kanzenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzenshu. That's right, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Hey, uh, it, it's been a while since we did a normal podcast episode. That's okay, we've had plenty of things in the meantime, which we will get to shortly. Describe some of the things uh, maybe you've listened to, but maybe you have not listened to. There has been content. We will point you to it. My name is Mike, sometimes Fujito EX, and joining me, not one of the other three real Konsenshu people. I got one of the fake Konsenshu people taking over. I don't know. I'm going to put you up into a different position. I don't know. Whose job you want to take? Uh, I'll just take Jake's. You gave me that title last time. I think you called me Jake J or Jake Jr. or something. So I'll just continue to be wannabe Jake. That's fine. It's AJ. What's up, dude? Not much. Not much. Busy week. Ben, uh, tell me about it. I am... <laughs> So ready for this weekend. In preparing for this weekend, I decided to give myself more work by doing a real podcast episode. That's fine. So Mike and AJ here. Uh, that probably means we're going to talk about some animation stuff. Have I already typecast you terribly? I think it's fair, though. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So I hope it's fair. <laughs> we're going to do a little bit of a follow up on a previous podcast topic, which was actually only like two or three episodes ago. But at this point, it was like two or three months ago. That's just the way the schedule goes sometimes. Following up on episode 421 back in February, we talked about the new filter and art style being used in the universe survival arc of Dragon Ball Super. Well, we got some updates, I assume. We do. Well, kind of. One of those like, uh, let's record this. Has there been any kind of a, a change? Oh, all right. I guess there has been. Good. We're good. We're still good. I mean, it's it's mostly sort of minor things here and there. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah, I feel like it was a big deal at the time. And we've just kind of been coasting along with the show. Uh, you know, I wanted to do a check in on it. I, I feel like we're at a pretty good point. This is going to tie in. I don't know how much I want to say about what the podcast plans are for some of the topics in the future. But we're at a, a good kind of like in between point in uh, this arc right now. This is a good point for an animation check in. We're going to do some other styles of check ins at some point in the near future. But uh, that's what's on deck this episode. Uh, uh, I do want to talk about real briefly before we get to some of the other stuff. We got uh, a little bit of news recap for you. We got the topic, of course. What has there been in terms of content that you can go back and listen to or maybe watch over the last couple of months? Because it's actually out there. I know if you only listen to the podcast, perhaps on YouTube, there hasn't been a lot over there. Same with SoundCloud, that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you're subscribed to the RSS feed, and I know RSS is kind of like dead technology. Once Google Reader went away, people kind of forgot about RSS. Uh, but that's what drives the podcast. That's how you can subscribe and automatically get new episodes. There have been a couple new things in the podcast feed and externally I do want to point you over to. We did two live streams, which I then archived as uh, basically bonus podcast episodes. We shared uh, what at the time would be upcoming new additions to the press archive on the site. Uh, we did a little bit of, you know, like story time. We read a couple of the articles and talked about them a little bit. Uh, some of those articles have since made their way to the press archive. You can read them. But there were two bonus episodes, a little over an hour each. And then we did a separate live stream. We did an Ask Me Anything, an AMA over on the DBZ subreddit. Uh, it was myself and Heath and then Mary moderating for us. We answered a bunch of questions and had a pretty good time. Uh, that's not archived in the feed because I forgot to press record for the first like 15 minutes or so. But the video itself is archived on our YouTube channel. So you can uh, go watch 
watch that and listen to that and put it on the background, whatever you want to do with it. So while there hasn't been a normal podcast episode, there has been some stuff in the meantime. Uh, and of course, there's the actual website itself. And uh, some people are like, oh, Konzenshu, that's a podcast. Konzenshu, that's a forum. Oh, there's a website too, right? We've actually been doing all this other stuff in the meantime. That's kind of the uh, the curse of Konzenshu. So we have too much to do and there's not many of us. That all being said, we do have a regular podcast topic for you this week. But before we do the topic, we're going to talk about news. Let's talk manga in Japan. Uh, I guess let's start with Dragon Ball Super. Now, AJ, Viz has been putting, and we're going to get to Viz in a little bit, but I kind of want to address this first. Viz has been putting out their English translation of the Dragon Ball Super manga. You are not in America. What is your access to the the free Super chapters? Uh, What's that like? So I'm absolutely fine, actually. Thankfully, it's all available to me, no region locking. Oh, cool. All good. Yeah, I just get to experience it. Interesting. Like you lucky Americans do. Yeah, I, I know for their free digital stuff there's kind of more of a region lock on things at times uh, I think their actual paid publications when those go out those are available a little more it seems like they're really opening that stuff up more and more over the years and that's less about them and more about Shueisha kind of lightening up their reins a little bit but uh, that's good okay so let's stick with Super Manga this is one of those like well it's it's sort of news I guess and that's Amazon Japan has a date up for Dragon Ball Super Volume 3 the collected edition that's apparently coming out this June. We're going like half a year in between volumes, which I think is pretty okay. That gives them a decent backlog of stuff. Uh, volume 2 contained chapters, I think it was 10 through 15. That doesn't seem like a whole lot, but when you consider that Toyotaro uh, around that time is up to about 39 pages, and recently he's been well over 40 pages, 45, 46 pages per chapter, it's a decent amount of content. So we can look forward to that in June. And then I want to talk about this because we do our updates and I always include include context for what this stuff is, but sometimes I feel like if, if you describe it a little more conversationally, maybe it makes a little more sense. AJ, do you have any idea where Dark Demon Realm Mission is? I have absolutely no idea. Okay. All good. of these, is it, is it to do with heroes in yes. some way? Yes, this, okay. this one is about heroes. So here's going to be the test. So I'm going to describe it to you. I want you to be totally open with me. By the time we get to the end, you have to tell me, do you understand it in any way whatsoever? All right. Okay, I'll do my best. Okay. So there's this magazine in Japan. It's called Psycho Jump. I am one of about five people that buys it every other month. Somehow I'm keeping them in business. <laughs> Started out quarterly, then went monthly. Then they're like, no one's buying those. Let's go bi-monthly. It's been bi-monthly uh, for a couple of years at this point. So there are five spin-off manga for Dragon Ball being published in Psycho Jump. A couple of them are just kind of whatever. There's the Dragon Ball GT anime comic. That started up at a time when Heroes was full-on GT, and especially since they went bi-monthly, it's like, why is this even still in here? But I guess they're kind of committed to seeing it to the end. They started with the Evil Dragon arc. They're still in the Evil Dragon arc. Uh, Gogeta just recently appeared, so they're they're kind of trucking along. There's Dragon Ball SD, which was you know, popular for a hot minute about four or five years ago. Naho Oishi's chibified retelling of series. Then there's been a bunch of video game spinoffs in Psycho Jump. Uh, the most important fun one recently has been Dragon Ball Fusions the manga, which is a manga retelling of the story in Dragon Ball Fusions. But because Heroes has been this big thing, there's been a ton of Dragon Ball Heroes inspired manga. So one of them is finally getting, I say finally, we'll get to that. It's getting a collected edition starting next week, actually, in Japan. This is Super Dragon Ball Heroes Dark Demon Realm 
mission. The thing is, this is actually a sequel slash continuation slash reboot of a previous Dragon Ball Heroes manga. But that previous Dragon Ball Heroes manga now has its own official actual continuation of the previous version, which is now running alongside Dark Demon Realm Mission. It's one of those things where like they replaced it. But then something else failed, which was Discross, which was getting its own manga. So they said, well, let's go back to that other one and actually continue that other one. So Dragon Ball Heroes, the Charisma Mission manga, this was kind of this, it's like these three mascot characters that told you about Dragon Ball Heroes, how to play it. It was kind of like this comedy, exaggerated faces kind of thing. And like, oh, here's the card action abilities and here are the new characters. And it was done from like a real life kind of perspective. That was replaced by this Dark Demon Realm mission, which stars actual Dragon Ball characters telling an actual story. Uh, think of it kind of like the original story in Xenoverse. They're going that route. It's time patrol trunks. It's telling the story, the story in quotes of Super Dragon Ball Heroes, which is the update to Dragon Ball Heroes in Japan. Basically, it's just like, all right, Trunks is dealing with some shit and there's like Demigra and there's all these other characters and they're just dealing with a Dragon Ball story. That's the new one. That's the one that's getting collected. At the same time, like I said, the previous version of Charisma Mission now has its own updated continuation because there's only been five chapters of Dark Demon Realm Mission. And this is going to have a ton of pages. We're like, well, what the hell else is going to fill up this collected edition? They're putting that other one, Ultimate Charisma Mission, as the supplemental material in the collected edition of Dark Demon Realm Mission. All right. AJ, did any of that make any sense whatsoever? I don't know. Those were a lot of words. I <laughs> they were. That look on my face that Goku gets when someone's trying to explain something complex to him. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. It just sounds like more heroes craziness. I'm kind of used to it at this yeah, point. Yeah, basically. I pay no attention to it. Dark Demon Realm Mission, think of it as like an actual Dragon Ball story with actual Dragon Ball characters. And then to fill up the rest of the pages, there's going to be this like explanation stupid manga filling things up. That's right. pretty much it. Sounds like more things for me to ignore. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I feel I'm the only one paying attention to it because I feel like if no one else does one of those, if I don't do it, who will? kind of things. Uh, it's notable to me because other than Dragon Ball SD, none of this stuff has received collected editions. I mean, think over even in V-Jump, uh, Toyotaro's Dragon Ball Heroes Victory Mission, that never got a collected edition. Uh, here we are only five chapters into Dark Demon Realm Mission, and that's getting a collected edition. I think that's what is what makes this a little notable. So we'll cover it on the site like we do with everything else. Moving on, manga updates in America. And by America, I mean in English from Viz. Other countries get it too. But Super Volume 1 is out this week. Lost Stories of Broken Street Day. People have been picking it up early. Uh, Viz went day and date with the latest chapter. Uh, this was, I think we were looking forward to this one because the latest chapter came out in V-Jump on the 21st of the month on a Friday that happened to line up perfectly with Viz's schedule of every other Friday releasing, uh, catching up on chapters of Dragon Ball Super. This happened to be two weeks since their last release, happened to be a Friday, happened to be the same day as V-Jump coming out. And indeed, they released it that exact same day. So I'm excited to see what the future of Viz's free release of the Dragon Ball Super manga is uh, going to be. Hopefully it's going to continue day and date. I mean, AJ, I know we've been struggling with the terrible uh, scanlations out there of the Super manga. It's great to see them just right 
right there. Overall, uh, Jake and I did a check-in a couple episodes ago. Their translations, other than some formatting stuff and a couple little things here and there, like it's it's great. It's way better than the scanlations out there. Yeah, it's really nice to have. Like those terrible scanlations, they still came out a couple of days later, and there were many mistakes. So you know, thank God for Viz. I'm very happy to see them go this route. Uh, this definitely seemed to be another one of Shueisha loosening the reins a little bit. Uh, I'm actually shocked that they allowed them to go day and date with this. Uh, this V-Jump, I mean, the, the super manga, I don't know. Did they finally just realize something I've been struggling to explain to people since it started? Like, it's a promotional piece of material. Yes, it stands alone as its own product, but all this stuff works together to promote the larger Dragon Ball franchise. Nothing in and of itself as a product really works without the support of everything else. And uh, to see them allow it to stand alone and be available for free, that's man, we're, we're finally in that future we hoped we would be getting to. Yeah, it took a while. I think we were all hoping for this years ago, back when Super just began. And so it's nice to definitely have it here. I know. remember that time when we didn't have a simulcast. <laughs> now we're, we're going to be able to say in a couple of weeks, remember that time we didn't have a simultaneous manga release? Well, here we are. We're finally in the future. Feels good to be a Dragon Ball fan. It does. I'm so glad we're finally here. A couple last things to talk about in the news. Home release stuff from Funimation. Again, I'm curious how this relates to you across the pond, because uh, you usually have to wait for Manga UK to sub-license stuff, don't you? Yeah, usually, but just in general, their releases are not the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, often often it is just a case of them taking Funimation stuff and slapping their logos on it but recently they've had a habit of like messing with subtitles I know that Resurrection F's um, UK release they changed all of the Japanese names in the subs to dub terms so I just straight up did not buy that oh weird um, yeah, so I'm not really interested in taking a risk with them now. I just import it, and that's kind of how it is. Gotcha. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens here. Uh, Funimation is in the midst of finally, again, this was like one of the last pieces of Dragon Ball Vaporware, and that's the uh, Funimation's home video release of the final chapters, the Boo arc of Dragon Ball Kai. It started, uh, and this is... I'm. Um, so happy because this is one of those instances where I called exactly how the home release was going to go, which is when they finally start it, they're going to just cram it out as fast as they can and immediately go into Super afterward. That is exactly what they are doing. We're getting a volume of Bukai per month, bam, bam, bam. And then the month right after that, they're starting Dragon Ball Super. So part one is out. Part two will be coming. Part three will wrap it up. Uh, I do want to talk about Kai before we go into Super real quick. Uh, The home release, people were wondering, is it going to still have that tint? Uh, Could Funimation adjust it? What's the verdict here? Uh, Yeah, it's still very, very green. Uh, Before it came out, someone asked, uh, I think it was one of the Funimation guys on Twitter, and they just said, you know, we don't don't fiddle with uh, other people's video, basically, unless we have it, we're not going to touch it. So, yeah. (laughs) Which is really funny to hear them say, but. (laughs) I know, it's sad. We we want them to touch the video. Asterisk, unless it's Dragon Ball Z, we don't touch it. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is still green, uh, unfortunately. Um, Can you speak a little more to that, though, because I know you've been doing a lot of breakdowns on it. It's not just that it's green. Uh, The prevailing theory seems to be, and this is like this is batshit crazy. It can't be that their equipment was like broken or calibrated wrong and a real piece of home video got released in this state. What the fuck happened? So 
originally, and, and I said this only a couple of days ago, in fact, that I, I've always just assumed, you know, maybe something was calibrated wrong. But since I have my discs and I've been playing around trying to color correct it, um, it kind of seems like, because, okay, let me start again. The, the big issue with it is not just that it's green, but it's also that some colors underneath that green tint are like really boosted almost to the point of being blown out. And one of those colors is red. So even if you bring the green down, you still have to deal with that red color, which makes me think that whoever color corrected this video didn't maybe didn't really know what they were doing. So they've kind of shifted everything to the green and gone, hmm, I guess I like something about this, but oh, I've messed with the reds here. Let me just boost those reds right up. And so it's just, it, it takes a lot to fix and it, it doesn't seem like an accident. It does just seem like a case of maybe someone wasn't really sure what the show looked like. Part of the explanation here is that the first run of Kai, the Cyan Frieza and Cell arcs, uh, the remastering was handled by a company called Q-Tech. And for the Boo arc, which we know is a originally never scheduled to actually air in Japan. This is going to be a cheap thing they made just for the international audience. And I think that this says a lot that they put that little effort and care into it that what they handed to an intern to do the color correction on it. And then, oh shit, I guess we're going to air it. Oh, just use it. it. It really does seem like, well, this is what happens when you don't give it to the professionals who, who, you know, actually work with this stuff on that type of a level. You get an internal product that just doesn't live up to any standards. And I feel like really just reinforces that, oh, Bukai, who cares? Definitely. And like the, again, like the music placement as well, it's it's all just this, it just seems so rushed together with little care put into it. It's it's frustrating, really. Because I know that, you know, obviously a lot of people trying to get into the series are always like, oh, there are so many episodes. And, you know, I, I don't want to read subtitles. And so naturally I just want to say to them, I'll go and watch Kai. But then you kind of hit that end point with Cell and I'm like, ah, do I really want to recommend Bukai, like it's it's so it's frustrating. This could have been like the nice, hey kids, go enjoy this and come talk to us old fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of those instances where Toei took a cue from Funimation, where you know you can't see something through one hundred percent to the end as intended. You got to do something along the way to mess it up, uh, and that's what Bukai is. And then right after that. In July, the home video release of Dragon Ball Super from Funimation begins. Uh, I saw some people complaining about where the episode count cuts off, which is right before the actual end of the Battle of Gods retelling arc. Th that's not what you think it is, where they're like, oh, you know, if you want to get the end of the arc, you got to get the next set. They, they just consistently cut off at the exact 12 or 13, however many it is, episodes. It's just an even breakdown. Don't look more into it. Uh, this extends all the way back to when it was first coming out on home video from Funimation in 1996, and then when the home video really started, the end of the Cyan arc was actually the first episode on the first Namek tape. So, like, it's just those are the breakdowns of episodes. Don't think of it as uh, devious or conniving, anything like that. But uh, home video release for Super starting internationally in July, so we can finally get a uh, you know an affordable home video release. Just recently, we saw that uh, Box Seven for Dragon Ball Super in Japan got a date that's coming later this year. Every time a new box is announced, we get a slew of comments like, "Holy shit, I didn't realize." how expensive these are in Japan and I feel like we're kind of desensitized to it as we've been dealing with this for so long but yeah that stuff is way more expensive in Japan um, that's just how that market started and it's one of those well this is the Japanese way well, why would we change what this is uh, and it also reinforces the the show is a disposable product uh, it's available for free and the people who are going to buy it well they're going to gouge the people that are going to buy it uh, as opposed to internationally where the show is the product we don't have things like Dragon Ball Heroes to support the larger uh, consciousness of the franchise. So that's when you get your Blu-ray sets for 20 bucks over here. Well, speaking of Dragon Ball Super, 
Let's talk about animation. So, Universe Survival Arc is the current arc of Dragon Ball Super. That is the series that is on television uh, for the Dragon Ball franchise. If you're just joining us, I don't know how you would just be joining us. I'm so sorry. There's probably someone like on a road trip somewhere making their significant other listen to this. Like, I don't care about this. Why are you making me? Who are these people? Why does their microphone sound so good? Anyway, I don't want to listen to this. I'm sorry. Truly sorry, but we're going to get into the nerdiest of nerdy topics here. And that's the animation, the video production of the new arc of the series. AJ, what the hell's going on? Give us the uh, back to the beginning of the arc. What did we see uh, and what was our opinion at the time? Okay, so we had a sort of stretch of, I don't want to call it filler, but you know what I'm talking about between the future Trunks arc. Oh, and excuse the, uh... me, I want to be really pedantic about this. <laughs> I mean, filler has a very you know specific connotation. All right, yeah, like I recognize it too. It's like when we say ocean dub and I get under, it gets under my skin and people say ocean dub. Like I recognize it, we all recognize it. Okay. I feel like I have to cover all my bases. So, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, between the future Trunks arc and uh, up until the universe survival arc, uh, we had a stretch of episodes that all looked pretty much normal, pretty much consistent with everything that we had seen since Super began, really. And then once we hit episode 77, suddenly the visuals made a big switch, really. We suddenly had thicker line art. Um, things were a little bit more uh, glowy, I guess is probably the best word for it. Um, certain uh, environments, certain places, locations were very different. They were a lot glowy. A lot of the Kyoshin uh, places were just so bright and luminous. And I think both of us at the time were initially very taken aback by it. It kind of reminded us of what we saw from Funimation on like the orange bricks where you would just crush all the dark colors and just blow out everything else. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my opinion on that has somewhat changed and I'm sure we'll get to that, but I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, basically, like you said, we equated it to Funimation's remastering. It's just blow it all out to make it look like when you go to the big box store to look at your new TV and they just pump everything up to make it look more vibrant and vivid than it really is. And then you start losing detail in there. And wasn't there a thing early on with some of the promo shots they put out didn't have those filters and post-processing applied to them yet? So we saw detail in them that was then totally crushed and removed in the final version. Yeah, exactly. Loads of stuff that uh, I think it was even Toei themselves tweeted about a week in advance uh, had no no post-processing at all. So it was really interesting to compare and, and see uh, just how much damage or, or how much of a benefit these filters were. So at the time we had this conversation, we were only a couple, couple of episodes in. We had traveled to all these different locations. Uh, since then, we've traveled to plenty of different locations, but not necessarily those same in-universe locations. So I kind of want to do a little overview, a little update on what we've seen since then, what has changed, maybe what happened hasn't changed. So break it down for me. Where do you want to go? Sure. So I guess if we want to start on Earth and talk about how things are there, nothing has really changed there as far as I'm aware. I think maybe it's a little less glowy. I know some people have uh, like messaged me on Twitter and stuff and said, hey, has the filter gone? Um, so, I mean, I've done some little comparisons and it doesn't seem massively different to me. It seems like Earth is very much regular just with the line filter, a little bit of a slight color change, but nothing massive uh in the in the grand scheme of things whereas when we went off to the zen exhibition match we had uh a very very distinctive look there it was very contrasty uh, i know goku's skin for example was sort of a very yellowy color and uh, his gi which is usually quite a bright orange was a, a lot darker and just generally it had a very sort of otherworldly atmosphere to it which i guess is fitting and again we saw a similar thing on kaio's planet and the kaioshim realm which is kind of about as crazy as it gets. Everything is super glowy and the colors are 
unbelievable. So yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the only locations we've seen so far, uh, aside from sort of post-processing and, and uh, that kind of thing, lighting uh, that we've seen uh, in, in specific episodes to create a mood. You know, we did have those opening matches, but over the last few episodes, we've pretty much been on Earth. And I, I feel like that's where some of these comments are coming in, where it's like, oh, have they toned it down? Well, well we're mostly just kind of hanging out on Earth right now, which of these locales is the most neutral of them. So it just doesn't feel like that stuff is being brought out as much, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's definitely, it definitely stands out or stood out massively to me in, uh, what was it, episode 87, where we sort of had the large majority of the episode was on Earth with uh, Goku and 17 dealing with that weird space poacher right. thingy. Yeah. And then they went off to uh, Kaio's planet and obviously that's about as crazy as it gets. And the shift was uh, pretty jarring. It definitely stood out to me. I was like, ah, there's that filter yeah, we were talking so it's about. Yeah, still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what else? What has changed? So I think the thing that stands out to me the most and i guess i don't really i don't really want to call it a filter because it it's it's very deliberate and it seems handcrafted it seems that super on the whole is really interested in sort of pulling together its visuals trying to make them feel uh more complete than before i know a lot of people in the past in the past arcs have said you know it just kind of seems like cardboard cutouts against drawn backgrounds and that's not really working for me Mm. and so I, I, this is probably not intentional as a response to that, but it does feel like uh, Super is really getting itself together uh, together on the visual side of things. I know that in uh, episode 84, when Gohan was fighting uh, Krillin, you had some really interesting depth of field and some cool um, sort of rim lighting going on. Uh, it, it's, it's the kind of camera work that you just don't really see in long-running anime, especially from Toei. Uh, you never see this kind of stuff in One Piece, so it's really interesting to see in Super. I think my favorite example of it was in uh, episode 86. We had some really unique lighting with the sunset. Um, I mean, it was just, it, it was really interesting use of silhouettes, lots of rim lighting, very, very good stuff. And um, they're definitely making a point to really make the environment feel alive. There's a conversation between 17 and Goku at the end of that, where there's a fire just flickering and the lighting is, you know, moving realistically uh, all over them. And it, it looks great. It's, it's really, really nicely done. And then in uh, episode 88, which is airing, well, as we're recording this, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but we did get some uh, some little screenshots uh, of what's to come. And there's a shot of Gohan in the rain that's really, really cool, very atmospheric lighting that uh, I've seen some people on Twitter say, you know, this looks like a movie, which, I mean, mm. it's kind of a nothing statement, but at the same time, I, I know what they mean. It has that sort of level of polish that you just haven't seen from Super before, especially with the rain. And they've started using these effects recently, which kind of look like scratches as the rain comes down and interacts with auras. They kind of ping out all over the place which yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it, it, it adds a lot of intensity it's a tiny it's a tiny detail but it, it's really really nicely done yeah again like you said stuff is this episode hasn't actually aired <laughs> as we're recording this but that comment on oh it looks like a movie it's theatrical it's just like well because there's, there's some shadows and there's some shading like there's actually something to the animation it's not just these flat features on a background like uh, we tend to have it's nice to see sort of some visual direction really i know that obviously the ever-changing number of uh, series directors has been a bit of a talking point and how uh, a lot of us have felt that oh, yeah. no one's really been able to sort of 
put their own fingerprints, handprints on the uh, on the show in any significant way. And last time we spoke, we were wondering, oh, you know, who's responsible for this filter? Who's sort of leading this uh, big change that we're seeing? And at the time, I wasn't really sure. I sort of theorized that it might be one of these series directors. And uh, afterwards, someone pointed out to me that this is actually something that uh, Tatsuya Nagamine has done in the past. Um, a Procure fan said that when he handled some of the Procure movies, there was really similar lighting and filters um, on that film that you now see in Super. So it does seem like it is from Nagamine. So it's it's great to see. I really like it. I hope it sticks around, even if I don't love the uh, crazy glowy stuff uh, in the Kaioshin realm, the actual atmosphere and mood stuff. That's great. Love that. Something we also talked about previously with the the lines and the growing widths on things. Was it, you said they took that from Tiger Mask that they had worked on before? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, that's the first time I saw it. Okay. Um, they did a lot of, lot of blog posts about it, like, oh, new technology. We're yeah, taking yeah. the line art and turning it into brush strokes. And then on Super, they kind of seem to have taken that and just used it to give it a more sort of hand-drawn, authentic approach to it. Right. So where I'm going with that is just going with the, the line stuff and then what you mentioned about uh, Nagamine there. Are they kind of taking some of the lessons they've learned on the other products and finally applying that back to Dragon Ball? Is everything else the test bed and then Dragon Ball is that all right, now we know what we're doing. Let's try it over here. I'm not sure, really, um, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it's it would be strange to do that, I think. But yeah. if, if that is the case, then that's great. It sort of reminds me of how Wit Studio did a show called Carbonary of the Iron Fortress. And they showed off this whole thing called makeup animation, mm-hmm. where they kind of took like regular shading and sort of blended it and made it look like realistic, um, realistic makeup. And it was, it was really impressive, really effective. And mm-hmm. now Attack on Titan season two has begun and they've taken that technology and applied it to the Titans in that show. Uh, and it looks really great. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible that in the same way that Wit learned from uh, Carbonari and applied it to their big show, that um, Toei have sort of looked at the technology that they've developed and gone, OK, this is working. This looks great. Let's apply it to our big show. I think that's a good check in on the the visuals of the show in terms of the design, the filters, the processing, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's definitely going to be worth a final check in once this arc ends. And then who knows where the, the series is going to go after that. Definitely feel like you can't talk about super without addressing the animation itself though <laughs> been a topic since the show started for better or worse and uh, rightfully so or not depending at whatever point in time you're watching the show so let's do a little bit of a check-in on the animation for this arc um super's been weird hasn't it uh, i definitely want to see where the manga is gonna go uh, in terms of is toyotaro as i think we all suspect gonna skip all of the exhibition stuff and just get right into the arc uh you know you threw out the word filler buffer material here uh are they just biting their time but all of this stuff here has been it's been the the character discussion episodes it's been actual big fights a a series of fights multi-episode fights we've kind of had at the the beginning of this arc everything that dragon ball has to offer so i think animation is good to talk about because this is tough because you always want to go you want to fall back on what people tend to say which is things like oh they're saving their money for the fights you know they're saving all their talent for the bigger episodes obviously things are more complex than that but uh, just give us a little bit of an overview how has the animation held up how does it feel like the pre-production is holding up Uh, are they on schedule does it feel like they're on schedule what have you seen people uh that work on the show saying about it it's been pretty good so far uh when we last spoke 
I was kind of concerned because I wasn't sure how on earth they were going to do a tournament and do fight after fight after fight. Because as we saw in Universe 6, that didn't quite work out. Some fights were better than others. And Mm -hmm. then one fight at the end was incredible. And that was kind of how things were. And I was really worried that that was going to be the going to be the case here but already we've seen that almost every episode barring you know a couple here and there that are very character focused have all been packed with action an action that is actually good Uh, I think something that has made me feel really comfortable is that in the past I always have a certain expectation for an episode and if it meets that expectation that's great but more often than not it would fall below that expectation and I'd be really upset by it. Whereas now I feel like it's always meeting those expectations. I'm never surprised. And if I am surprised, it's because they're exceeding my expectations. It's Mm. really, really great. Um, I think some of the highlights have been episode 80 where Gohan was against Lavender. I mean, that was just a pure 24 minutes of fantastic action. And again, in 86 recently, Goku versus 17, that second half was really, really impressive. And sort of everything between that has been really solid. Even Even if it's been short, even if it's been maybe like five minutes, minutes out of the whole thing it's been good and i think that's that's what i've been looking for out of super it doesn't have to blow me away for 20 minutes at a time but if you're going to give me some action you know make sure it's really really solid um i think what's surprising uh is that the vast majority of these episodes have had a degree of outsourcing whether it's been the entire episode or half it seems like the series directors or or the production planners or or whoever are you know making a conscious effort to really allow their in-house staff to focus on the good stuff really and let the uh out of house animators uh you know do their thing and yeah well Step me back there, because when we say outsourcing, it can actually mean a couple different things. It could mean something like internal outsourcing to maybe like Toei Philippines. But uh, we've also had some folks that don't directly work for Toei. Like, what are some of those relationships, the outsourced relationships that you're talking about? Sure. So I think the big one is Studio One Pack, who are known as a support studio. To sort of clarify that, you have studios like Toei, like Mappa, like Dean or whatever, who, you know, own the shows. They make the shows. Toei Mm -hmm. owns Super. Whereas you have support studios like One Pack that they don't make their own shows. They're just kind of, they get called in to sort of help out and, you know, lend their, their team uh, to to certain episodes mm-hmm. for, for for various other studios, so they've been uh, a big help. Uh, you've also got some sort of freelancing teams, um, Sutono uh, Ono who works with some people who used to work on Dragon Ball Z, actually some uh, people from Last House and Seigasha are on there. And they've popped up more and more and more lately and have been doing some really good work. Uh, so yeah, I mean, when, when we say outsourcing, a lot of people kind of go, oh no, not outsourcing, it's going to be bad. But honestly, these outsourcing, uh, these outsourced studios have been pretty good. Okay. Pretty nice. I want to talk to your point about the, the meeting expectations. I think a uh an appropriate rebuttal to that would be, well, Super's just lowered our expectations so much. We're at a lower bar than we initially were. So just meeting that, you now are we accepting you know, below par work? Uh, yeah, I think to an extent. So there have definitely been some people who have responded positively to episodes where I've kind of been like, I mean, that wasn't really anything special. It was, I mean, it was okay. And then, but on the, but on the other hand, there are people who, who have sort of looked at me being impressed by something and gone, I don't really think it's that special. I mean, Super's been, you know, delivering stuff like this. So what makes you like that? And so Mm -hmm. I think people are sort of at different levels. It's quite interesting. Uh, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. 
but it's definitely cool to see that there are people you know out there who have pretty high expectations and you know are, are happy on the whole um yeah i don't know i think it, it's it's interesting i think the production is definitely not perfect uh, and we have to be realistic about that. I know an animator called uh, Yongsei Tu, who is a freelancer living in Japan, Chinese originally, uh, doesn't work on Pokemon and stuff like that. He's usually a second key animator on Super. And he mentioned on social media that when he was working on episode 81, he was brought on with only a week to go. And uh, he only got the episode finished thanks to uh, Masahiro Shimanuki's help, the supervisor for the episode. So it's definitely not perfect, but it doesn't feel like every episode is up against the wall like that. Uh, yeah, that, that's how I wanted to hear, because, I mean, we got so many stories early on of people being like, I don't know what the fuck is happening with this show. I'm being brought in over here. I'm animating like eight episodes by myself. And so to hear that not happen literally every week, that's probably a good sign. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that's reassuring for me me is that I know I talk a lot about Futoshi Higashide, who is an action animator. He specializes in it, who was brought onto Super like sort of mid um, Universe 6, but really brought, ev- brought uh, everyone's eyes onto him during the future Trunks arc. He pretty much consistently worked on every episode during that and like basically carried that arc on his shoulders. <laughs> um, whereas now uh, he's still doing that to an extent, but he's taking, you know, weeks off here and there and being able to do uh, or take time to produce stuff that is of the caliber you know he could normally produce with a good amount of time so that's really nice to see that definitely tells me you know something's right here even even if it's you know even if it means bringing in people from the outside you know at least it lets the greats do what they want i mean i always talk about naoki tate and how you know he kind of gets the uh short end of the stick a lot but his episodes in this arc have been fantastic so you know it, it's it's nice to see that people can actually deliver you know what they're capable of for once let's do a little theorizing here i mean what's dragon ball without theories it's not going to be battle power theories it's going to be animation theories <laughs> um when we were really talking you know in the in the thick of the what the hell is happening with this? You know, Heath and I talked early on when we went back to Z and its prime, uh, they were somewhere around like five to six weeks. Sometimes they were even a full two months ahead of uh, pre-production schedule in terms of what they were working on versus when an episode would air. Uh, and when super was really in the pits, we were getting to like three or four weeks. Where do you think they might be right now uh, at this point in the universe survival arc? What do you think the schedule is? Maybe what you think and also what you're kind of seeing out there on social media. So we've never had, it's not totally transparent, but we've never had this level of transparency with Dragon Ball's production before. Yeah, I'm not too sure on that. I think a lot of people tend to fall back on sort of the supervisor rotation um sort of how long it's been between their episodes because that's that's usually how it worked on z you pretty much had very closed teams you know segasha would do this last house would do this and it would just rotate like that and yeah. the key animators would have the exact same time as their supervisors whereas on super um that's unfortunately not the case so just because your supervisor has, you know, 11 weeks, a lot of the time the animators underneath him have only had, you know, maybe two, three, four weeks. Mm. Um, but I think that's why I feel a little bit more comfortable with this arc because because of the outsourcing, you are seeing um, animators getting a lot more time between episodes now. So I don't, I can't, I can't really give you a number, um, but it, it's, it seems better than it was. Well, why don't we wrap up the topic with uh, what actually wraps up the show? Uh, and I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this, so I ho- <laughs> hopefully I'm keeping you on your toes here. And that's okay. uh, Boogie Back. What can you tell me about the Boogie Back animation? Sure. So that was uh, solo animated by Tadayoshi Yamamura, who 
I, I guess I haven't gotten along with him to put it nicely, but <laughs> it's I like this really one-sided. like ending. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea you exist. <laughs> You're out there. Yeah, I'm out there just being horrible. But no, honestly, he's. I, I mean, I've spent a long time, you know, not being happy with his character designs, not liking his storyboarding and his direction. But you know, the the Future Trunk special, I really enjoyed, even if it did take you know a lot of cues from Toriyama's manga. Yeah, I mean, this mm-hmm. this ending is really nice. It's it's you know got great atmosphere to it. The characters are drawn pretty nicely. Um, you know, I have you know very little issue with it. You know, it doesn't move very much, but you know, many of Super's endings don't. So, right. yeah, I mean, for for what it is, it's it's good, and especially coming from someone who I generally am not a fan of, it's it's nice <laughs> it's to sort of look at that lot. and go, yeah, yeah. hey, this you know, this is nice. When I first heard about it, I didn't get to see it right away. I was like, oh, that sounds a lot like some of those Bukai closing, which would be like cardboard cutouts moving across the screen. Like no one ever <laughs> got a chance to actually finish animating those ending themes. But uh, yeah, I, w- I was pretty impressed with what I saw here. It's color. It's got cool atmosphere and, you know, to, to use an internet phrase, I don't know if anyone still says this in 2017, but the ending shot with the two different photo frames that hits me in the feels, man. Hits you in the feels. Yep. That's a th- that's a throwback term. <laughs> it's like old man Mike <laughs> trying to relate to the kids using old I think phrases. The, I, think, I think the kids say it's lit now, I think. Is it lit? <laughs> <laughs> is it savagely lit? I don't know. Is that a it's phrase? probably savagely lit. Okay. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting old too. <laughs> now, like I'm dragging you to the old side and you're like, no, I don't want to be old. <laughs> you can't resist it. It'll hit you. Suddenly your knees won't work as well as they used to. And you're like, fuck, what happened to me? Uh, <laughs> I don't say this from personal experience at all. Uh, all right. So, AJ, let's uh, let's bring the episode to a close. This is the first time you've done a, a full-on episode with me, isn't it? Yep. Very nervous. Can you tell? No, not at all. You sound great. Yay. Um, well, let's just kind of wrap things up with what else we got going on. Uh, what, what are you working on out there? You're like, the, <laughs> I, I love your description. It's like trying not to be a DBC YouTuber. Yeah, I'm kind of doing nothing at the moment, honestly. I So... The last time we spoke, I was saying, oh, I'm doing these videos every week talking about animation. It's going great. And you said to me, oh, you're going to get burnt out soon. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll probably be okay. And then like within a week, I was so burnt out and I just stopped. Um, Look, I've been doing this a while. So when I give you this sagely advice, it's true. Yep. So I should have listened to you. So yeah, I kind of got burnt out for a while and um, I meant to come back and, and do a bit more. But uh, I mean, I, I graduated about a year ago, so I'm just kind of um, easing into work at the moment. Got a couple of offers going uh, going on at the moment. So I've been busy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to get back into it. So, you know, keep eyes on Twitter and that kind of thing. What is the it? What are some of the things that uh, people can look for on your channel? Uh, so on my channel, generally, you'll see animation breakdowns uh, each week, sort of going over who did what in the episode, uh, you know, who are the staff? Who did what scenes? How's this going? And then sort of the main series is the Super Supervisors series where I sort of take in-depth looks at um, various staff. I think the most recent one was Tadayoshi Yamamuro, of all people. And I was fairly kind to him, I think, um, for the most part. So yeah, that's 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 kind of it. And because I'm not really doing those at the moment, I've kind of been sort of being a bit lazy and essentially doing mini versions of those on Twitter. So if you follow me there, you'll sort of see me tweet screenshots and be like, this is this person and this is that person. So yeah, if you if you're missing out on the videos, just you know, see Twitter. Oh, what do I got going on? So I'm I'm playing Ultimate Mission X. It came in, Dragon Ball Heroes, 3DS. How's that? Um you press A a lot. Yeah, that yeah. sounds fun. Meter goes up. You try to time it, press a button. That's the game. Wow. That's ultimate Tenkaichi kind of. <laughs> no, it's worse. It's worse. Oh, so wow. I've I've been very open with how I think the uh Dragon Ball Heroes games on 3DS. Uh I didn't actually play the first one. I bought the first one before I had a Japanese 3DS. And then for a while you could do a little like 
easy hack through, I think it was a web browser hack to play games on your American system. But then they patched that and I wanted to keep my firmware up to date. So I was like, ah, Julian, buy me a Japanese 3DS. So he did that. So I played Ultimate Mission 2 uh, for quite a while and that game was terrible. Uh, Dragon Ball Heroes definitely feels like, oh, this would be cool to play in the arcade for two rounds. And then when you play that on a home console or at least a portable console, when you can put all the time you want into it, all the time feels like 15, 20 minutes and I've had my fill of pressing the button when the meter hits the top. Uh, An Ultimate Mission X so far, again, I've only played it for like an hour or two at this point. I don't even know. Uh, it's more of the same there. Uh, I am shocked that they put some work into the engine, though. Uh, the previous games, they chugged. It was embarrassing how oh, poorly no. they ran on 3DS. Nice PowerPoint presentation. Oh, it was less than that. It was pretty bad. Uh, of course, right now, I don't have any like crazy teams doing multiple ultimate attacks just yet. They're in there somewhere. I'll, I'll get there. But uh, it, it's really interesting. It feels like it's definitely targeting 60. And when there's not much going on, it's absolutely running at 60. But it does have a drop, but I feel like it drops exactly to 30 or 30-ish. And there's no in-between. It's not like, oh, this one's running at 40 and this one's running at 20 and then it gets backed up to 30. Like, I'm kind of (laughs) impressed that it's either 60 or 30. And I haven't done any actual analysis to see if it's running at those specific frame rates all the time. But uh, compared to what came before, it's... It's kind of impressive. Of course, the difference in frame rate has thrown off my muscle memory on getting the meter up to the top and I'm missing all sorts of attacks now. So I have to kind of like retrain my brain on how to play Dragon Ball Heroes. It's kind of like you're too young when DDR (laughs) shifted from (laughs) 30 frames to 60 frames and, you know, everything was timed properly. But uh, Heroes kind of went through that. I don't know if Jake picked it up, uh, but I'll do some occasional check-ins on Ultimate Mission X uh, as things go. The problem is these, these are games I'm playing right now. I'm playing Breath of the Wild. I'm playing Dragon Quest VII. Both of those are... Do you have 200 hours? You want to because because you can do that. And then there's always FF14 in the background. I'm in a great place right now because Stormblood isn't out until June. Like Zelda hit the perfect right time that I could ignore FF14. It's like wanting to play Ultimate Mission while I have these other grand adventures on the side. Not the most appealing thing, but it's also kind of like a good palate cleanser. Like oh, I'll play Zelda for an hour. Maybe I'll play Ultimate Mission for five minutes and something else. So I don't know. I'm just going to keep tweeting out funny photos from the game. That's kind of what I play Ultimate Mission for. Uh, it's not for fun. It's just for bad photos. So uh, we'll do a check in on that. So this was a podcast episode. Uh, I would love to do more of these. I, I kind of forgot what it's like to do these, but I enjoy it. Uh, just stay tuned to the website and the social media and pay attention to what we got going on. We have plenty of topics. I have some cool people on deck to do good things. It's always a matter of schedules. Uh, this time as we head towards summer, it's not always the best for me. Problem is, if I'm the one who's hosting and producing the show, if my schedule doesn't work, then the show doesn't get made. So it's usually on me more than anyone else. I guess that's going to wrap it up. AJ, thanks again, man. So www.kanzenshuu.com. That is Kanzenshu. This was episode 423 of our podcast. We'll see you again next time for 424. Bye-bye.